Before we get started, please don't forget to share this with your friends and tell them the work we are doing. We would love to hear from more people and get more people involved. Enough from me. Here's the podcast where actually you're going to hear more of me. A Dadsnet original podcast. Hi, I'm Michael. And I'm Paul. We're the Atwell Brices and this is Disability, The podcast for parents with children who have disabilities. We're the proud dads of two sets of identical twins, Lance and Lawson, our youngest. And Levi and Lucas, our older twins, who are diagnosed with autism and epilepsy, amongst other disabilities. In Disability, we'll be helping you with tips and recommendations. And we'll be speaking to special guests. And most of all, you'll hear that you are not alone in your journey. Hello and welcome back to the Disability Podcast with myself, Paul. And me, Michael. Welcome back. So we've been busy getting ready for the holiday. I know we've talked about it a lot over the past few weeks. Because it takes over our life and it's so hectic and it actually is manic, despite what a lot of our friends and followers see. It is really stressful time for us because the immense stress of making yeah. sure we have all the medications correct and we have enough should any situation happen we lose a case or we're delayed or whatever we have to think about everything yeah. here this isn't just about planning a holiday and off we go as a family happily ever after the reality to this actually is there is a huge amount of stress to this and this is why we talk openly about it sometimes because a lot of people just see the happy pictures and the disney pictures but it has been really hard work, and I'm sure you can hear it in my voice a little bit, how difficult to, yeah. it has been. We have to order, like, a double prescription, so we've got all the regular meds plus another two lots, um, and that's because, obviously, different countries have different medications, and some are not licensed in some countries and whatever. So if for any reason a case got lost, uh, I were drawing up the boys' meds and smashed a bottle or whatever, we need the extras... But so we put the photo, I think we put a few posts on about we've got to take 150 nappies for the boys, big boys. Um, and that takes up so much room because they're in big pads now. Uh, and people's been saying, do you get extra allowance for the luggage? Quite a lot have messaged and commented on that. We get 15 kilograms extra per boy, so per Levi and Lucas. So it may sound a lot to a lot of people that just generally travel all the time without children with disabilities. But 15 kilograms actually, when it comes down to it, is not much. It's probably one tray of fiber drinks and two packets of nappies. And in each packet of nappies consists of how many is in a packet, Michael? I think there's only 27. That's what we've struggled with this time because we haven't been for three years. Obviously, the boys have got bigger than our kind of adult size. They're in adult size nappies. Uh, the, the, there's many more medications and particularly Levi's fiber drinks that we get from the dietitian to try and build him up. They're just really heavy and we wish we could get them out there. We or... have done everything we can to get these shipped out prior to us arriving, to find a company out in America that would supply them, working with the NHS and Levi Lucas's neurologist, but unfortunately have not been successful on this occasion. No. And then there's all that side of it but then the other side of it is getting the fit to fly letters the letters documentation stating exactly every drug that levi and lucas take and that they have to be carried with us at all times on board the aircraft 
and we need them so that helps through security when security decide to check everything uh, another letter to support Levi's cannabis treatment and why he has to have that with him all the time and you know planning a holiday yeah it is a great time and it's a great thing to do as a family but when you have children with complex needs it is also a very very stressful time and you know we can't sugarcoat this part of it because we would just be lying about what life really is like yeah, and we're keeping it yeah. real all the time it just scares us to death a bit it's just with the liquid meds because they're not tablets so it's if a bottle smashes that's the issue and it if all go- gets a bit too much sometimes yeah. if we go to the ca- say if we go to the caravan and this has happened before i've dropped a bottle it's smashed and that were the only bottle we can phone 111 and they can do a prescription and have it sent to a chemist near us. But obviously, we haven't got that in America. We haven't got that safety net. So we just have to make sure. It feels like we're taking tons of stuff. And we are because there's 10 big suitcases. So everything's in. All the meds are separated along different cases. We've weighed some and I think one more 26. So we're going to have to get them down to 23. We're going to have to like cherry pick bits out, move them about. I just feel like we're in this big hole, me and Michael, and we're at the bottom of it shouting, help, help, can somebody come and help us? But this is the reality to it, isn't it? I think as well, because this is his last podcast for a few weeks, obviously, because we're going away, so we won't be back. But still do follow us on our socials, because we're going to try and keep active, because obviously that's when the boys are at their best. And we come alive. And we want to show the world that. You know, and once we're there and we're settled in, normally the second day we kind of start to get a routine going and we're a lot more relaxed. And the boys are relaxed once they've caught up on their sleep. Obviously, we're going to show the world, the globe, how great these holidays can be for children with disabilities and complex needs. Sorry, Michael, talking. This this week's really busy, isn't it? Always on one today, isn't it? In fact, we're both on one. Let's just talk over each other. We've got the BCA Awards, and then we've got the Cordwell Butterfly Ball. They're both in the same day. Then... I just want to stop Michael there a sec. Everybody who listens to our podcast, please congratulate Michael on his British Citizen Award, which he will be getting this week. And it's a huge achievement for Michael. And I will say this personally because obviously Michael's other half. We have been together for over 20 years. When we first met, me and Michael, Michael wouldn't even speak to people in public. He wouldn't talk on a microphone, zero confidence, and now look at where he is. So I just want to congratulate Michael with the support of everybody else on how wonderful he's doing with that BCA award. But now back to me. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were, we were thrown in, weren't we? So Paul's, who used to be Paul's dance teacher, was a big part of his life and a, a really good friend of ours, died. So she's retiring now, when Paul were in foster care, she... She re- took me under yeah. her wing. Yeah. And supported me and encouraged me and really believed in me. <laughs> and then years ago, when we were skint, she also... We, we went to a payphone, put 10 pence in, and um, we, we owed something like 300 and something pound for a water bill. <laughs> and we had to... Um, we had to uh, ask Di and she sent the money up for us, didn't she? Yes, and we'll always be grateful for that. But Di's having a retirement due the day before we go on holiday. So that's a two and a half hour journey there to celebrate that occasion. Two and a half hour journey back, up at five, fly to Orlando. So we are extremely busy at the moment. 
But coming up, we've got a great interview coming up later with ADHD Father UK. So it's Jacob and... Go, 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 Jacob, you know what they say. Jacob has got... Or is it Joseph? Come on then, Joseph, you know what they say. ADHD himself and is set up um, a creator of a recovery through sports project. So basically... I thought you were going to say recovery truck business then. Getting other kids with ADHD that struggle maybe in a mainstream football group or whatever to get involved and be able to like be themselves that have steam. Um, so yeah, that's He's it. very successful at what he does, Jacob, isn't he? Yeah, he also works in mental health like professionally himself, um, I think through the NHS but is trying to obviously break the stigma of ADHD and and get things out there, get more like activities and stuff out there for kids to get involved with that do have ADHD. Break the taboo is trying to break the taboo because, you know, I'm going to say this and maybe I shouldn't, but, you know, I still think this country is not ready for disabled people. I really do think that, you know, we're, we're working so hard at educating and sharing knowledge and, getting the best treatments for children, young people, young adults. But, you know, we have those days where we just feel like, God, this country is just so far behind. I mean, especially when we go to America, they're just so far, far ahead of us here in the UK. It's quite embarrassing, really, I think. Do you, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think we've said before on the Disney buses, we can just take the boys straight on the chairs and clamp them down and there's two spaces. Most of buses where we live, they're into even one wheelchair space. So you're excluded from doing a lot of things if you're in a wheelchair or a special needs buggy. Um, but it swings and roundabouts because they don't really have changing places toilets do they in America with the bench and the hoist. They haven't really got that yet, them type of facilities, but they do make people, we always say if they make reasonable adjustments to accommodate for disabled people, then that's fine. So they have a medical room with a bench, so there's no hoist or anything, but there is a bench that you can put kids on to change them uh, and go in if you need any, like if they're bad with the seizures, they've got loads of different medicines and stuff there, and we always go and stock up on plasters there, don't we? And to change the subject a little bit, um, from previous disability podcasts we have been speaking on, uh, we've obviously spoken about Lowton and Lance's school quite a lot as well, and the younger two. And I was mortified to find out that the headmistress is leaving the school. She's going to be leaving at the end of this term, and I'm mortified about I that. I think you're more mortified that she's been listening to the podcast and she heard us talking about her one at a time. Yes, she listens to the podcast, yeah. and I think personally she loves it. <laughs> I'm sure she's a bit she of a fan. She randomly said, did she? I've been listening to the podcast, and uh, you sound it's weird listening to you on the podcast, you know, rather than speaking face-to-face. But it's amazing who listens to this. And, you know, your support is everything to us because, you know, we are only parents trying to use the platform we've got to help everybody around us and to help other families. But we are not machines neither. I think sometimes people think we are machines and we're not. You know, we are just parents, everyday parents, doing the best that we can for our boys, our family, and so many others that are in this situation to make them feel like they are not alone. But coming up, we're gonna recommend a great charity that could probably help, maybe able to help you and your disabled children, so stay tuned. Okay, so welcome back to Diffability. 
the podcast that makes you all feel like you are not alone. And today we're going to give you a recommendation of another charity which we have not really spoken much about, but a lot of families might find this beneficial. Over to you, Michael. I'll let you do the hard work on this. Yeah, so we'd like to recommend New Life, the charity. Um, and we've had help before from New Life for Leah and Lucas because they cover a big range of different stuff. Now, what's different about New Life is they also have an emergency, um, an emergency service that can loan equipment in an emergency. So this is for like, um, say you need a walking frame, a wheelchair, or a specialist cot bed, specialist special needs bed, similar to like Leroy and Lucas. They do emergency loans on these. So say for instance, you're really desperate for a special bed because the child keeps on falling out of bed. If you've got a child with epilepsy and they fall out of the bed and it could a risk of injury, uh, you can contact New Life and they can loan you the equipment until you get one permanently. Now you can either apply to New Life for one permanently or you can, if you're say on the waiting list for an NHS piece of equipment, but it's a long list and you're gonna have to wait quite a while. So that's what's quite different about New Life, this emergency service they have. So like specialist beds, specialist buggies, wheelchairs. Which is great because you never know when the equipment is gonna suddenly break or no. sometimes it can let you down as well. It's a bit like a car. Yeah, specialist you know. hoists and like other miscellaneous bits. and. New Life are quite different to some charities because they have got that service. They also sometimes send an email out, so it's worth uh, joining their email mailing list. They're quite a big charity. They send um, emails out with equipment that's second-hand, but it's all been like, sanitised. It's still in really good condition for people to apply for for free. And then you can apply for the same again, like beds, specialist beds, wheelchairs, whatever. And um, if, if you meet the criteria and you got a supporting letter from your occupational therapy or similar, then you can apply for that equipment as well. But they also do normal funding for brand new equipment. So you need a specialist certain piece of equipment. But the and only advice I would say on that is like with every other charity, Currently at the moment, the waiting list can be quite lengthy. So if you're feeling like in a few months time, you're going to be needing a new piece of equipment for a member of family, a person in your family, do get in there early and put the paperwork and the supporting documentation in early to make sure, because sometimes the waiting list can be quite lengthy as we know as parents ourselves. And yeah, I think that's what you have, sometimes you have to kind of preempt if you're going to need something quite soon down the line. Get You're normally quite good with that, aren't you? If we need something, you're straight onto the OT, getting all the supporting letters. If she answers a phone. Getting everything prepared, aren't you? Because then when you get the application form, everything's ready just to go. I just want to say though, have you all noticed there's no banging from the builders? There you go. <laughs> now, I know a lot of you off. listeners will be missing the banging from the builders, but they've finally gone. Yeah. Hallelujah. So we're able to sit here and record this wonderful podcast for all you lovely listeners. Yeah, so... Um... Although the bath is still leaking, the new bath. <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs>
Welcome back to the Differability Podcast. Today we have a very funny man, a very knowledgeable guy, and a very interesting guy, which I think a lot of our listeners are going to love. It's a gentleman called Jacob Kelly. Hello, Jacob. Hello. How are you, gentlemen? Are you all right? We are good. It's great to have you on here. Now, just to give a little bit of backstory, we met Jacob at the Fatherhood Awards and we clicked instantly. So, Jacob, please tell a lot of our listeners what work you do and etc. Over to you, Jacob. So, uh, that was a lovely introduction. So, uh, um, what do I do? So, my normal job, like day to day, I'm a community mental health worker. So, I work with people uh, in particular with first episode psychosis. So, that will be my day to day job. I'll be supporting them in the community. Um, and then sort of outside of work, my passions is ADHD. So I was diagnosed with ADHD at 13. Um, and I, I spoke about it at the Fatherhood Award. I think a big thing yeah. when I was growing up, you know, I was diagnosed at 13. There was no one talk about ADHD. Um, I would meet these professional uh, clinicians at a mental health uh, community facility. And... I grew up just thinking that ADHD was this sort of odd thing. The only person talking about ADHD was a character on uh, South Park who was very hyper and in a wheelchair, I think. And, uh, yeah, so I, I grew up just thinking I was very strange, odd. ADHD was this mental health difficulty, and I didn't really know much about mental health back then. Uh, and that was how it was till I was about 27, yeah. you know, just being on meds and not really embracing or sort of doing my research about ADHD. Um, and it was only sort of when my wife become pregnant uh, for the first time, I was like, you know, having ADHD can be really difficult at times, but so can being a parent. Uh, so I was like, there must be, you know, other parents who of my age who have had kids who've talked about their experiences and I looked I couldn't find anyone and I was like this is a bit rubbish um and a bit scary so I thought I'll just start writing you know some tips for the first trimester so I'd do that and then writing some tips for the second trimester and then third and then started just talking about what my experience is and then from then that sort of seemed met other parents that uh, had ADHD that were becoming parents, but then met parents of young ADHD children who they were going from the very beginnings of their sort of journey with ADHD. And they, I think for them, young parents with ADHD children, they want to sort of see someone at the end of the process yeah. who's, you know, what it looks like. Because I think at that early stages with ADHD when they're young, we can be very full of energy and at times very difficult to parent and difficult to just understand what's going on. Um, and so to see, you know, a 35 year old man at the end, sort of near the end of the spectrum, uh, who's doing, I'd say quite well, uh, yeah. it's, it's a good thing for them. And I think, like I said, there was no representation for me growing up, there was no other ADHD is doing well and talking about their experiences. Um, and like I said, ADHD was seen as this mental health difficulty. So I, was, I had something wrong with my brain, but now it's completely changed. You know, uh, it's not seen as a mental health difficulty. Now it's a neurodiverse uh, yes. ability. 
And um, yeah, so from setting up the account, I've then gone on to sort of just set up loads of sort of little events or connecting people and connecting uh, families with other ADHDers. So I I spoke about the Fatherhood Awards. Um, uh, Mum approached me a couple of weeks ago and said, I've got a 10-year-old son who's really talented uh, with his ADHD. And when he's able to focus, he can score lots of goals. But when he's struggling, the coaches don't actually understand how to manage that. So they just take him off the pitch and then he gets really upset. And um, what would you sort of suggest? And I said, well, in an ideal world, you know, if I could think what I would want back when I was 10, I was like, I'd love to meet a professional footballer who had ADHD and share their experiences. And uh, currently there's no out, I suppose, uh, ADHD footballer. But I think because of the work I do and I think it, the work, I suppose, uh, I haven't, I, I would say it's got good reputation of working um, and I've built some good connections. Uh, I managed to find two ADHD footballers, a male and female, who haven't properly speak about their experiences out in the public eye. But they're going to, tomorrow night, we're going to meet with the family and have a chat with them. And I think for the family just seeing a professional footballer who's got ADHD, who's also got kids, who's, you know, achieved some amazing stuff in their career. I think it's that sort of promoting recovery and hope that when they're at this young age, when it can be really, as a parent, so difficult uh, to then see sort of the end pathway, it's a great way of going, look, it will be fine. It will, yeah. You will get through it. And actually ADHD is an amazing ability and gives you many skills that um, is amazing for the world that we live in now. And I think companies now understand the the strengths that people with ADHD or neurodiversity can bring to employers. I think that's it, isn't it? Because we'd say like, you know, neurodiversity, it's only the last few years that that's become quite big, hasn't it? And a lot more spoken Mm. about. Um, so when you were diagnosed, weird, actually, that that would have been quite rare then, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, it was. It was I, did you did you get like support at school and then, or were you just diagnosed and left to it type of thing? So I got like diagnosed at thirteen, put on meds quite quickly. Uh, I had dyslexia as well, so I imagine most of my support was through the funding through dyslexia. I imagine I got some more funding for my ADHD, but the main things would be a little bit extra time in exams, the same stuff you get for dyslexia. Uh, I would have a reader uh, to read the questions out, but there was never any, no one ever talked about ADHD, no, uh, no teachers, no adults. Um, I remember like, googling for the first time ADHD as a like 13 year old and the first article was like boy dies of taking ADHD medication <laughs> and then I was just like oh my god um and so it's that I remember someone saying to me like obviously kids don't mean to be cruel but they just sometimes don't think and I remember one of my friends saying to me if there was a complete exactly the same version of you but without ADHD uh, and a girl had to choose, I think the girl would choose the one without ADHD because that's nicer than the boy with ADHD. And I remember just being like mortified, just being like, oh, so people like me less because of my ADHD. And uh, 
yeah, it was just really, I wouldn't say, uh, it's just really like just uh, the best I can describe it is just being a bit, the stigma was very real uh, and really lonely, not just feeling unusual, very unusual. And that was the same through my teens into college and then into work. And that was something that when I set up the account, I really don't want, I really don't want that for any child, I think, or any adult with ADHD or autism or any neurodiversity like ability. It's about, I want them to go, nah, this is, yeah, when it's hard, it's really hard and difficult and they come with some really tricky things, but when it's good, we're better than anyone else. Uh, and, and that is something I'm a big promoter of. And when I speak to young families, I'll say to them, you know, when it's hard, it is really hard. And like there's parts of ADHD that can, I suppose for partners or family members that can make us seem really selfish and it's all about us. But actually that's just the way our brain is sort of wired. And actually if you can educate yourself and understand those bits, then the bits we are amazing at they come with loads of other stuff. You yeah, know, we're more creative. We, uh, if you look at architects, I'd say something like sixty percent of architects have got ADHD. Um, if you look in the creative industries, um, especially now, like I think there is a huge amount of people that are talking about ADHD now, and TikTok has yeah. been a huge game changer for the, I suppose, industry of ADHD. Um, so obviously, with my professional hat on. Uh, working in NHS services, we've seen a huge increase in referrals, people talk about ADHD, and that came from um, TikTok, really. When the pandemic hit, uh, a couple of creative ADHD women started talking about this uh, service called Right to Psychiatry. So if you look in like NHS services, most nationally, uh, ADHD NHS services there's a waiting list of two to three years I imagine it's the same with the autism yeah. uh, the, the um, waiting list is ridiculous um, in Bristol our waiting list is five years for uh, which is you know how that is even it's not even a service but uh, so there's a service called right to psychiatry which is basically a law changed a couple of years ago where you have the right to choose your psychiatry. So if your service in your area is not performing, which most, that's nationally, I'd say, for psychiatry, uh, you have the right to choose a different service. So that's when this right psychiatry set up. So they are a private service that can do, give you a diagnosis of ADHD or autism, but their waiting list is about a year, if that. And so what they do, they give you basically a private service, but they charge uh, the, the NHS for that service. So that meant people who were waiting five years could then get their service a lot quicker. And then people started talking about that on TikTok and it just blew up then. And I think that I know from chatting to the ADHD service in Bristol, their, their referrals have gone up 500% or something ridiculous like that which in some ways is amazing because it means people are getting that education and knowledge around autism and ADHD where for years they'd struggled. Um, and the best like um, example of that is my mum. So she's a mental health nurse, brought up three boys, did a law degree uh, as a single parent, amazing woman, but had 
ADHD unknown for 60 years. So she just got a diagnosis at 60 years old. Uh, and I it shows how obviously she could miss, she missed it because she was always told no ADHD is naughty boys. Can uh, just stop you there a sec? So your mom got diagnosed at the age of sixty. Yeah. So, and throughout all her life, she has not been diagnosed. Mm. When she was at the age of sixty and she got diagnosed, has it actually made any difference to her life? Yeah, I think like, so we had a conversation. I said, look, the difference, I suppose, with a later diagnosis to an earlier diagnosis, uh, I said, your coping mechanisms will be a lot better than mine because you've had to learn the hard way of what, of getting through those things in life where I said, I haven't had to do that because I was put on meds. So some of those things that you struggle with, I haven't struggled as much. But I said, also with a late diagnosis, there's a lot of shame and a lot of anger of what could my life be if I would have had this earlier. Yeah. Um, so she's currently started on meds. So she they'll titrate you onto the meds. So they'll start really low. So I think she's on the amount that a young boy would have or a young girl would have. So she's on a really low uh, dose. But the plan will be hopefully it, the medication will help with some of those impulsive bits or the loss of um, concentration on certain tasks. So she's noticed from working from home where she doesn't have the hustle and bustle of the office, it's really hard for her to concentrate in those quiet times at home. Um, and she's able to now look at coaching where of yeah. some of those ADHD traits. So I think she she managed amazingly without that help. But I think with women in particular, they'll give you a diagnosis of anxiety, depression, yeah. eating disorder. So then for a lot of women in particular, they get to you know this age where they get diagnosis and go, oh my God, that is what it is. I've gone all this time not knowing what is, I suppose, wrong with me or what I struggle with. And it's a massive sort of, okay acceptance of what that is so i know some people that don't go on to meds it's just they go okay i'm i'm not stupid i'm not uh and that's the main one i'm not stupid where before i thought i just couldn't concentrate or i was told i, I was bad in school well, actually no i wasn't i just my brain is wired differently and now i just know how i can work my brain better yeah. uh, and so for me, at my work, my employer is quite good. They know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. So what I'm good at, they absolutely push it to the hills and I do loads of that stuff. The stuff I struggle with, I don't really do much of that. Uh, and then they get a huge benefit because I suppose my creativity and the thing that ADHD gives me is that lack of fear to go, okay, let's message some message a professional footballer and say, come to my football group that we run and do yeah. this, do this. And and it's that lack of fear to try new things. So we've been able to do amazing things. And I think we were talking about, uh, which I, I'm typically ADHD, I'm jumping on different topics, but I know we talked about uh, the Recovery Through Sport project. That's what I was just going to mention about that. Because um, obviously you're a creator, aren't you, Jacob? Yeah, so that was basically... I'm not really, you know, I love football, but I'm not really a massive follower of football. But that it came to in our area of Bristol, 
we had a lot of young people that liked football, but there was nothing out there. There was loads of football groups, but there was nothing out there for people that struggle to make connections yeah. or like people that don't have that circle of friends. So for me, I had a good circle of friends when I grew up, so I'd just play with my friends. But there wasn't like a social thing for those people in our in our area. So we wanted to set up a mental health football project that improves people's physical health and mental health through football, where we don't really overthink it. We don't medicalise it too much. Uh, so we run, we set up this sort of weekly football group where anyone can attend if you're in mental health services or out of mental health services, which is very rare with NHS services. So traditionally, NHS mental health services will run, say, an autism group or ADHD group, but it'll only be for people that meet that criteria. So anyone else who maybe do have autism or ADHD, but don't meet a severe criteria, they don't get that. So we wanted it to be open to anyone uh, because there's loads of people struggling in the community with mental health, but they don't struggle enough to meet criteria. So we set that up. And then what was the game changer was sort of, compared to just being a weekly football group, uh, we would approach mental uh, footballers who struggle with their mental health and get them to come to the group uh, to share their experiences. Because, however, I would love to say the players come in, love me talking about, so I've struggled with depression. Uh, I think they find it helpful if I talk about it, but there's something about seeing someone in the public eye talk about depression or suicidal thoughts or their family member who's struggled with uh, psychosis and there's something about yeah something about that that is really inspirational especially for the players so we would have these footballers come and some were publicly talking about their experiences some of them are very private so they haven't shared it to anyone but they'll share it privately at the group um, and we get them come along. And I think that's what helped with the pandemic. Uh, in some ways, we were able to approach footballers from all around the UK who could yeah. tran- like come down to Bristol, but we could do it online. So we ended up doing some amazing online sessions with these professional footballers. I just think hearing you talk for us has been so fascinating. And I know a lot of our listeners will feel the same as well. And this is why people need to be talking more openly about different disabilities and neurological Mm. conditions. conditions. Because by doing this, we all learn so much more rather than just reading something in an article. It's more powerful doing Mm. this. We're kind of running out of time here, but I just want to go through a few things with you. Um, So your social media angles, accounts, just tell all our listeners what they are so they, in case they want to follow you and reach out for some advice, help. Yeah, anyway. sure. So it's uh, ADHD Fiber UK. So I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Um, but yeah, if you're listening to this and you have any questions, my DMs are always open. So just message me. Um, if you want information about sort of uh, like hearing stories of other sort of ADHDers or uh, people with autism who are doing amazing stuff, I can signpost you onto some amazing sort of resources and stuff like that. But yeah, Michael, I'm always open to helping families if they need help with anything. 
Thanks a lot, Jacob, for giving to me time because we know you're really busy, obviously, with your full-time job and everything else that you do. We're really You're really it. fascinating. I find you really fascinating. Oh, really, really you. fascinating. And, um, you know, we'll definitely get you back on the podcast at some point as well and catch up with you. But for now, it's been such a pleasure to have you on here, Jacob. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been lovely. So thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Differability Podcast. Please don't forget to like, share, rate and review us and also have a look at the Dad's Net, the wonderful work they do. Um, your support, your encouragement is so important to us because together with all our lovely listeners, we can achieve so much more. We're having a short break now as we take our beautiful boys to Orlando. But as soon as we get back, we will have lots of new, exciting, amazing guests, which we have got lined up. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you.